0: Good morning, Hershey Free Church. My name's Nick. I'm uh, on staff here. Thank you. I'm the executive pastor here, and I'm excited to share a few things from the Bible with you from Titus chapter 3, so you can go ahead and open that up. Uh, And as we get started, there's somebody that I'd like to introduce you to, and I wanted to introduce you to him live. However, he's been dead for some time now. So his name is Photius. I do have a picture of him here. And so he lived in the ninth century, and he lived a very exciting life. He was a very influential person in the realm of politics and religion. Actually, in, in those days, those kind of those went hand-to-hand in some instances. Uh, but he was a very influential person in the church. So his role, and, or his title, you could say, was he was the patriarch of Constantinople. So some of you already know this, but back in the medieval ages, uh, there was only one universal church. We, it was just known as the Catholic Church. The word Catholic kind of means universal or all-inclusive, something like that, uh, is how you would translate that. So there was only one universal Catholic Church. It was oversaw or led by the, anybody know? By, by the Pope, right? And uh, there was a hierarchy within that leadership because there were churches uh, all over the cross, the known world at that time. And so at the bottom of that hierarchy, there were local parish priests, and they were the ones who did the over, the, the day in and day out work of shepherding people, leading the congregations, and so on and so forth. Above them uh, were the bishops and the archbishops and so on and so forth. We go all the way up until we get to the pope. Now, pretty high in that structure were the patriarchs, and Photius was one of those patriarchs. In fact, I have a cool picture of him one day baptizing the king of Bulgaria and some others who followed after him, so that's kind of a neat A neat picture of that. But we can go back to the other picture while we talk about Photius just a little bit. So, Photius, uh, he was dealing with many things, but one of the things he dealt with was growing tension that was always arising from tension between the churches of the east and the churches of the west. And when I say the east and the west, I'm not talking about Mechanicsburg and Harrisburg. I'm talking about a large geographical area. Think like Europe and Asia. That's the kind of east and west that we're talking about. And so, the, the various local churches and the, the, the church as a whole, it was spread out over these two regions. I mean, there were different languages involved, different empires, different uh, different ways of thinking, and there were different struggles that we faced, and so these were very different sections of the world and uh, areas of the church. And so there was always growing tension between these two, and so Photifus, uh, he always stood in the middle, tried to mediate, and reported to the Pope when all this happened. Well, one day, there was news that came across Photifus' desk that would forever alter, and still today does, alter the future of the universal church as we know it today. In fact, I say news came across his desk, it was actually one word, one single word, it's a Latin word, we'll look at it in just a second, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. There was one word that led to tension and controversy and eventually set off a domino effect of one schism after another that eventually led to the greatest church split in all of human history. It's the day that it led eventually, church historians believe, to the splitting of the universal church into the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox churches. One word. I'm assuming you would like to know what that one word was. I'm going to show you on the screen. It's a Latin word. I'm not sure how many of you speak Latin, but it's the word filiochi. Filiochi. How many of you have, you, you know this word, you've heard this word? You can use it in a sentence right now. Can anybody? Anybody? Okay, not, not many of you. So let me, let me well, well, while I do that, I need to go back and explain some things. So just before I came up, Paul led us in saying the Nicene Creed, right? So early in the church's history, the best and the brightest of church leaders got together. And they had to hammer out some basic understanding, some basic doctrine of what the Christian church believed, some basic doctrine of Christianity. There were various heresies that were sprouting up all over the place, particularly regarding the Trinity. All right, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this is something that rattles off our tongues as if it's always been really clear and understood. And so the church leaders had to get together and especially deal with, who is this person? Jesus. Was he a ghost? Was he fully man? Was he? All this stuff had to be hashed out. And that's why you read that, man, he, he is God of God, light of light. This is God. I mean, they had to. <laughs> this is who we're talking about. This is Jesus. This is Christology, right? So they got together. They hammered that out. About 50 years later, it was updated. There were a few things added to the, to the link that you saw up there today to known as the Creed of Constantinople. And there's a section of this on the Holy Spirit. Well I'm going to read just that one sentence to you again. It says, "We believe in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son, together is worshipped and glorified." And then it goes on and says some other things, too. But basically, it's, it's, a good, it's a good foundation of understanding of who we're talking about with the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about some kind of force. This is not some kind of eon that emanates off of the spiritual being that we call God. I mean, he, he is God. He is a person of the, of the Trinity, so on and so forth. So, so it really explains a good uh, basic understanding of who we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, Fotifis found out one day that there were various churches, parishes throughout, the, and there was a, there was, this was growing, more and more churches were including one word, that word filioche, when they repeated the creed. Because all these parishes, they were repeating this. This was part of their liturgy whenever they met for worship. They would say it and recite it just like we did today. And here's the one word that they added, the word "filioque." In Latin, it means and the son. They said, we believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and from the Son. Now, when Photifus heard that churches in the West had added a word to the creed, he called foul. And he said, no, this is unorthodox. You guys are spreading heresy. We have to do something about this. And decades of disputes and controversies and schisms, a domino effect set off that eventually led to, once again, one of the greatest splits in religious history known to man. All because of the addition of this one single word. And even to this day, we still have the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church, a direct result of this domino effect that started with adding the word filiochi. Now here's why I bring all this to your attention. Here's why I bring all this up in the first place. We can cause a lot of problems and division. When we take something that's not a core part of our doctrine, it's a secondary part, it's, it's an important thing to study and think about, but we turn that, we turn that secondary doctrine into an essential. We can always cause problems when that happens. And part of me wonders... What if there had been one guy or one gal who had stood up and said, you know, the creed is good as it is. And, and you know what? The Holy Spirit does proceed from the Father. And you know what? It looks, there's some texts that seem to indicate he proceeds from the Son as well. But is it really important enough for us to break up the unity of the church and cause this kind of controversy by adding one word? I mean, we can, we can say the creed in its original form, and, 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 and it's very orthodox, and it's very biblical. And, and Do we have to make this the thing that drives the entire church apart and brings disunity? I just wonder if one person had said that, if we would have a less diverse church today and less denominations and mainline. and da, 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 da. I, I, just, I just wonder if that would have happened if somebody had stood up and said, hey, let's, let's keep the core of the core. And here's, here, in fact, here's a sentence. If you're taking notes, here's a sentence that I'd like you to, to write down. Just remember this one sentence. If it's far from the core, it's best... To ignore, If it's far from the core, it's best to ignore and not be super dogmatic that everyone else agree with that point of doctrine. Now, if it's in the core, if it's a, if it's a core belief of Christianity, we need to agree on that. However, if it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. Now, I wonder, have you ever ran into a filiochi kind of controversy? Have you ever found yourself in the midst of two people? Maybe you were one of the people, I don't know, but you were in the midst of two people who were having large controversy over a minor or a minute point of doctrine. Has that ever happened to you? See, the truth is that there are some of us in this room who have observed entire churches splitting into two different or three different or four different churches because of a minor point of doctrine. There are many of us who have seen people leave this church or some other church because of some minor teaching that was mentioned. It wasn't a part of the core doctrine, but they just got really upset about it. They couldn't handle it, and so they left the church because of that. And many of us have been in rooms, maybe again, you were one of the people in the room that were arguing, but many of us have been in a room arguing about minor points of doctrine and words were said, phrases were, words were uttered, friendships were dismantled over a minor point of doctrine. And I wonder how many, how many of us would say, you know what, I've, I've done that before. I've been in an argument like that. And you know what, I've even had an instance where months went by, years went by, and I realized I don't even agree with myself anymore. And I caused, and I dismantled a friendship over this This minor ology or ism or whatever it is. If it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. When we insist on things that we don't need to insist on, we can cause arguing and quarreling and disagreements. When we insist on the core of our faith and we agree on the core of our faith, that opens the door for a lot of unity, a lot of collaboration, and we can do a lot of good together when that happens. So, again, the only thing I want you to remember today is this. If it's far from the core, it's best to what? It's best to ignore. Well, hey, let's open up our Bible here. Uh, if you have a, uh, like a physical copy of the Bible, go ahead and open that up. If you have an electronic copy, whatever the case is, open it up to Titus chapter 3. And if you do not have a Bible with you, that is fine. We're going to put all the words up on the screen. While you're turning there, I want to remind you of uh, just, just some information that George gave about a month and a half ago. So, there are three letters, or sometimes we call them books of the Bible. Uh, that are called the pastoral epistles. So these were letters written by the Apostle Paul to two different pastors. Uh, one was named Timothy, one was named Titus. So first and second, Timothy went to uh, Timothy, obviously. And then Titus is the book that we're reading in. Those three letters kind of have similar themes or similar things that come up in those letters. One thing that comes up over and over is what we're talking about today. Timothy or Titus. There are people in your church that are arguing over minor points of doctrine. You've got to tell them. We've got to agree on the core, And if it's not in the core, they've got to ignore it. People are fighting and causing all kinds of disputes and controversies and quarrels over this stuff. And you've got to stop. You're the pastor here. You've got to stop this. He says that. That comes up over and over. In fact, it came up even in this letter already in the beginning of chapter 1. So you can go back and look at some of the things going on, disputes among the Judaizers and so forth. But let's look at what this text says about it in Titus 3. And we're just going to read three verses and really just kind of talk about two of them. But Titus 3 and verse 8. Uh, previous to this, he had actually mentioned something that was part of core doctrine, and this is how he follows up. He says, this, what I have just written about, is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. That's how he words this. So let me kind of explain what's going on in this text here. Paul is basically telling us that there's, you can word it this way, there are two different categories of doctrine, right? We could say there is sound doctrine and then there is secondary doctrine. This is not a cross, it's, uh, it's, it's trying to match what's up here. It's just a chart. So there is sound doctrine, and over and over in these three letters he mentions things like sound doctrine, sound teaching, being sound in the faith. Basically what he's saying is this is the core, this is the essential, this is the stuff that all of us need to agree on if we're going to follow Jesus together and be on the same page. This is sound doctrine, and sound doctrine leads to, it leads to good things. It basically means healthy teaching, Right? But not everything that we believe is part of the core, right? We all have opinions on different aspects of doctrines. I'm going to just call this category secondary doctrine. This is everything else that you believe in. It's not, it's not core, but, I mean, it's important. It's good to understand where you stand on these things and what you believe on these things. This is in secondary doctrine here. Now, the reason it's secondary is because, number one, it's not as clear in the Bible what is right and wrong. People disagree on this. I have an opinion. You have an opinion. It's not very clear. And then, secondly, it's not as essential that we agree on this doesn't mean it's not important. It's just not as essential that we're on the same page. Now, here's the problem that we all have, and, and you all probably have already picked up on this problem. The problem is that I could. It's a pretty simple chart. You would say I could, I could pick, I could pick ten of you, and I could say, Hey, can you get out a sheet of paper? And, and can you get out a sheet of paper? And can you get, out, and can you write a chart? And I want you to put everything that's sound doctrine. I want you to write it here, and everything that's secondary doctrine. I want you to write it here. And all of you, and, and the ten of you, could do that. But you know what would happen at the end of this service when I collected the papers? Karen's would, would look different than Ken's, and, and, and his would look different than his, and, his would, and this is one service of one church in one denomination in one part of the world. Can you imagine what would happen if we wrote out what everybody's sound doctrine versus secondary doctrine would look like? So obviously, doctrine isn't that simple. It's not cut and dry. It's not black and white like that. I'm going to give you a separate visual that will help you understand a little better what's going on here. All right, This is a dot. It's just a circle. Okay, It's pretty simple. Now, as we look at this dot, I've got to find out where I'm going to stand here. As we look at this dot, this is the core. This is the center. This is, th- th- there's no, there should be no argument as to where the core of this dot is. This is th- and this dot is fully full, filled in. It is fully black. If any of you were to walk up here and say, you know, I think the dot's up here. That's white. You're wrong. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing to argue about here. Likewise. Over here in the corners, <clears throat> that's white. There's no black in those corners. That is, that is nowhere near the center of the circle. There's nothing to disagree with here. But where we have all of our fun is here, right? Well, I think it's more white than black. I think it's more black than white. And we start, you know, we, we have all these colorful, that's a good pun there, colorful arguments over, sorry, that just occurred to me. Sometimes, you know, dad jokes just rattle off the tongue. <clears throat> so we have all of our disagreements and here, and every every doctrine, every ology that we believe in, has a core part of it, and there's also aspects of it that bleed into what we would call secondary doctrine. This is what we need to focus on. And if it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. Let's try that. If it's far from the, it's best to. So let's practice this. Let's try this out. <clears throat> let's pick something like, like prophecy. End times, eschatology, if you want to have a $10 word attached to that, eschatology. So at the, at the core of eschatology is this, and we read it in the creed even, <clears throat> that one day Jesus will return. He will judge those who are living and, and those who have already passed on, he will judge them. And all who have not put their faith in Jesus, they have not followed Jesus or believed in Jesus, they will be punished for their sin in everlasting death or everlasting punishment. Those who have chosen to follow Jesus and and, and have put their faith in him, their their sins have already been atoned for by Jesus Christ, and they will enter into eternal life. That's pretty much it, right? That's, That's the core. Now, as we go further from the core, we can have all kinds of $10 words, right? We can talk about millenniums and tribulations and raptures and when all the bugs come out of the earth, right? We can have all kinds of fun talking about stuff over here. And I might say, you know what, I believe... That the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation. There's going to be this this millennium that happens. And then someone over here might say, you know, that that millennium, it's a very rounded number. I think that's more figurative than it is literal. And somebody else might say, "Yeah, yeah, 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 but I think the bugs come out here. And, you know, we can have all this discussion about when the bugs come, but what we have to agree on is this. That's not here. And we can have our charts... And you can have your statues in your bedroom with the clay feet and the golden head. And when we can do all that, and you can have your... And say, man, this is when that dispensation happened. And we're in this dispensation, and this is when all the arrows are going to come out. And when Jesus is coming. But the truth is, Jesus isn't going to ask to see your chart before he comes. <laughs> we have to agree on the core. And if it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. Now, you can, you can buy a book on the millennium. Half of them are going to be wrong in the end, right? But you can go buy a book on the millennium and you can read that and you can study that. You can talk about it in your connect groups. You can, you can do all that. Good. It's good to, it's, it's, it's good to be aware of these things. But the core, here's what we need to all agree on. Jesus is coming. I better be ready. i got to make sure you're ready too. And that's it. That's what we agree on. And the bugs are going to come when the bugs come. <laughs> Look at verse 9 again. I just want to point out something that happens here in this text. He says, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies. And maybe that caught your eye. You thought, who, who argues about genealogies? I mean, maybe you're into Ancestry. You have this account on Ancestry.com. And, oh, I'm part Scottish. You know, and it's, it's exciting for you to find out that you have this, this German thing in you or you know, whatever. But if you were a Jew, and, and in, the, in the church of Creed, and Titus's church, there were many Jews who had converted to Christianity. And for them, but your lineage is, is what it's all about, right? You track your genealogy and, man, I'm from the tribe of whatever and I'm from the region of so-and-so and, and, and my daddy was a priest and my granddaddy was a high priest and da-da-da. And, and what this could have turned into is, you know what, when Jesus does come back, I'm going to get the better inheritance. Really, I'm the one that's inheriting the heaven and the earth. And, and, and in other words, Titus was having to deal with the first covenant theologians and the first dispensationalists. That's, that's kind of what's going on here. And Paul is saying, well, you've got to warn them, hey, you cannot, you cannot break up the unity of the church. You cannot cause all-out fights over that. It doesn't matter who your daddy is. It matters who your heavenly father is, right? So we need to stay with the core. And if it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. Well, this is fun. Let's pick another one. Let's talk, let's talk, about, let's talk about Scripture. Bibliology, we could call it, right? So, so, so what, what, what is Scripture in me? What do we believe about the Bible? So if we were to start in the core, we could say that Scripture is God's Word. Scripture, or the Bible, is inspired by God. It tells us about God. It tells us about ourselves. It shows us how to have a relationship with God and how to live godly lives in this world. That's pretty much it. Now, if you're a Christian in here, d- d- there should be no disagreement over what I just said. That's, that's pretty basic. That's, that's, I mean, that's right there, dead center, in the center. But here's what happens. We start adding to that, right? We start, we start throwing philiokies in there. Well, I believe the Bible is inspired and in. in Errant. And I believe it's planary. It's and I believe it's, and we start, and some of these things I believe in, but we start veering from the center. And the problem, here's where the problem happens. When we start filling in this dot bigger than it ought to get, that's when problems start happening. We need to agree on what's in the core. And, and, and I would be someone who would say, you know what, I believe that the Bible is inspired. In fact, I would even say that the, the literal, the actual words of the Bible in the original manuscripts were Inspired, and there are others who disagree, and they would say, you know, I believe that the, it's more the concepts, the ideas of Scripture that were inspired by God, and the men and, and, and the 40 plus people who wrote different books of the Bible, different letters of the Bible. They they were taking those concepts that are inspired and putting them into their own words, and I think I could argue pretty convincingly that that's, that's not the case. However, I, I have to realize that that's that's over here somewhere. It might be close, but that's over here somewhere. That's that's not the core. And some could take that even farther. In fact, three weeks ago, uh, there was a guy who came up to me uh, uh, on, on, on a Sunday, and he said, hey, Nick, I want to tell you this story. When I first became a Christian, I became a Christian from reading a, uh, a paraphrased Bible. I forgot the name of it. It was similar to the message, but it was a different one than that. And he said, I became a Christian reading that, so I went to a church. And this guy approached me, found out that I had been reading this, and he said, oh, no, no, you're, you're not a real Christian. You have to become a Christian from reading this particular, this particular English translation of all the copies of the (laughs) that this is you have to become a christian reading this and and i'm sure he had some kind of bible verse attached to that you know you're not saved by corruptible word of god but by the incorruptible and that's corruptible and you know that everything has a bible verse attached to it right but but basically what he had done is he had taken something that's over here i would say no i'm just i'm not going to go there but he had taken something that was far from the core and he had really put down this guy thankfully he's still in the church and he still comes here he's a great guy but we have to stick with what's in the core and if it's far from the core, it's best to If it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. Every doctrine has a core. And there, there, there are shoots that, that sprout off of that, that move into gray areas. And now I'll, I'll be the first to, to admit to you, confession time, I have messed up on this a handful of times, several times. In fact, about six years ago, something like that, I messed up big time here. So I was working in... A dispatch office for a transportation company in downtown Dallas, Texas. And on my shift, I was working second shift. There were you know, several of us on the shift in, in the same building working on the same shift. There, there were two guys there who were Christians. They went to a different church than me, but, th- but they were Christians. And so we formed kind of a casual friendship there. And there were other co-workers of mine on the same shift who were not Christians. Of course, I was friends with them too. I was friends with all of them. Well, one day it was, I think it was during a holiday season, not a lot of transportation going on. People weren't really booking trips, things like that. So it was a slow season. And I began to strike up a conversation with these two Christian guys, and we began talking about God's sovereignty and man's free will. And the two doctrines, they kind of collide, so you have to kind of figure out, what, how does this work? How does man's free will, but God's sovereignty and foreknowledge and predestination and all that kind of stuff, how, how do those fit together? And I will, I will admit to you, I'm ashamed that I became very opinionated in that conversation. I became very dogmatic. I became very argumentative. After just a few minutes of talking, there was a young lady on shift, a friend of ours, a coworker who overheard what we were talking about. She was not a Christian. And she kind of leaned over and was intrigued. Hey, what are you guys talking about? What's this Calvinism and Arminianism? What what are you guys talking about? And I wish with every morsel in my body that I could have told you that I went here. Oh, we're just talking about ways in which people find Jesus and believe in him. And I wish that I could have launched right into Jesus and the core of soteriology. I wish so bad that I could have, that I could tell you that I went there. I'll tell you what I did. Hyped up in the heat of the moment, I gave a snarky comment about Calvinism. And in turn, it was an unfair comment about predestination, to be honest with you. I made a snarky comment, and in turn, I confused her understanding of salvation more and certainly didn't lead her any closer to Jesus. To my knowledge, to this day, she's still not a Christian. And I can imagine that Jesus was up in heaven figuratively shaking his head well, Nick, way to stand up for what you believe in, buddy. <laughs> right. I guess I'll have to send another follower to talk to her. But man, you, you, really, you really put that in its place. You know, we mess up here. Because whenever, whenever we make this circle too big, or too small, you could say. But whenever we make this circle too big, or we take something here and we move it as if it's there. Problems always happen when that happens. We have a filiochi, con- uh, we have controversies and quarrels that come up. If it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. And it is okay if someone disagrees with you. It's okay to agree to disagree if it's a doctrine that is far from the core. Now, I just want to bring this down to earth for all of us, and maybe give you some examples of how this might work out in your everyday life. There may be some of you who maybe, maybe you have a neighbor that goes to a different church, right, or a co-worker, something like that, and you guys have conversations about different things that they do at their church versus what we do at our church. Maybe they have a different way of baptizing. They they sprinkle, you believe, in immersion. And, And that's an important thing to talk about, but I would not argue that that is at the core of sanctification. I believe that is somewhere in the gray area. And so for you guys to disagree about that, that is fine. However, I would encourage you, do not draw a wedge, drive a wedge between you two and butt heads and argue and quarrel over something like that. There are others of you, maybe you're a parent in here, and you read Genesis 1 and 2, and you say, you know what, it looks like it's, uh, God created the, the world and the universe in six literal days. They were 24 hour days, and, and that's just kind of how and the earth is less than 10,000 years old. I know science says this or whatever, but you know this is what the Bible says, and you believe strongly, and that's fine. But maybe you have a child or, or a grandson or a granddaughter who's in school right now, they're taking science classes, and they're trying to take that seriously along with the Bible, and they're thinking, you know what, I think. I think there's something here where, where I, I think I can read Genesis 1 and 2 and, and, and work out that God is using evolution and it's, it's, you know, th- this is more a poetic structure and they're trying to take science seriously and, and this is what can happen. You can drive a wedge where well, there doesn't need to be a wedge because here's, here's the core of this doctrine or theology of creation. God created the universe and he made man in his, his own image and that's, that's the core. That's it. Now the other stuff that's important, however, it is not worth fighting. And there are people who have left the church because of a do- an understanding of theology like this. I would encourage you not to drive a wedge, but to stay in the core and stay unified as long as you guys agree on the fundamental, the, the essentials of the Christian faith. Maybe, maybe you've brunt into something when it comes to uh, spiritual gifts. I mean, we all believe that the Holy Spirit has gifted us with various spiritual gifts so that we can serve the church and we can serve the world around us. Now, I have a good friend who believes in uh, what you could call charismatic gifts or sign gifts. And so uh, the speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, these kind of things. And we've had conversations. We disagree on this, but-, but we've had some good conversations, and we're still good friends. And, and, that's- and we agree to disagree, and it's-, it's-, it's a great friendship. We have a great friendship. This is not something that I want to, to become a-, a wedge of. I can't fellowship with you anymore. I can't talk to you. I can't be your friend anymore because you believe differently on, like, five spiritual gifts in, in-, in the Bible. I don't want that to become a wedge between us. <clears throat> in fact i have to tell you this story this is the first time that i ever met somebody who was actually speaking in tongues because i didn't grow up in that kind of tradition or a church that that practiced that in their worship services so it was in my apartment complex uh a friend of mine we were getting on an elevator together so we're on the bottom floor the doors open we step inside we hit our floors the doors closed and i can see i can see this guy over here he kind of has his eyes half open and he's bent over and he's He's repeating this phrase over and over. And he's kind of mumbling it as quiet. He's not he's saying it to himself, not to me, so I can't really make out. But it sounds like he's saying you know, he was just kind of mumbling uh sh but a Kia. Shoulda but a bada kiya, shuddabanda, but a He's he's just repeating this phrase, and I'm just I'm intrigued. I say, are you are you talking a heavenly language right now? Like what are you what, what are you saying? Do you understand the interpretation of what you're saying? Are you speaking in tongues? And he said, Oh, I'm not speaking in tongues. I just bought a car, and I have buyer's remorse. I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. And <laughs> now, some of you are going to get that later. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night and say, that was a funny joke. That was the right there. <laughs> it's okay to, dis- to agree to disagree on minor points of doctrine. In fact, here's, here's another way to lighten, to lighten the mood a little bit. Mary Chambers, she's a, she's a, she does comic strips. And, now, here's one that I really appreciate, a couple of them. I know that you can't read the sign there. If you can't, if you're in the back, it says, if Christ returns before the millennium, these books are to be sold at half price. They're still worth half price for some reason. But uh, here's another one. This one, the caption's real small. But uh, in gist, there's a the guy showing off a scar to a younger boy. And he, and paraphrasing, he says, I got this scar during the worship wars back in 71. Uh, talking about that. So um, anyway, it is okay if we agree to disagree on minor points of doctrine. If it's far from the core, it's best to ignore. Let's try that together. If it's far from the it's best to I hope that's helpful. Well at this point in our service, as we wrap up the service, we're gonna take communion together. And again, it's just another reminder this is this is what binds us together. This this is what joins us together as not different nationalities and, and so on and so forth, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, I can see you guys already already hopping up and getting ready for that. So if you're preparing for communion, you can go ahead and, and prepare for that. And may this be a reminder that even, even, even communion has been something that has caused disagreements and disputes in the past. Uh, so, you know, what do the elements represent? And, and do, do we drink the real stuff or grape juice? And how often do we do it? And how often should it be done? And, and how, what is the order in which it should be done? So on and so forth. But what we ought to remember, again, is that this an understanding that we have been purchased by the blood and body of Jesus, that, that is what unites us. This, this is what we should remember. This is what joins us together as believers. So think about these things while we take this up. Let me pray for us, and then we can go ahead and pass out the elements. Father, I want to thank you for your sacrifice. I want to thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in our place and make atonement for our sins on the cross through the death and the burial and the resurrection of your son Jesus Christ. Thank you for offering us salvation. Thank you for offering us the opportunity to become a part of, a, a part of the church in, in relationship with you and in relationship in a spiritual way with all of my brothers and sisters here this morning. I pray that we would be unified over this. Amen.